Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. We're going to do something today that we haven't done in quite a while, and that is we're going to have a question and answer at the end of the message today. We're going to be talking about food. It's something you have a lot of opinions about. We're going to talk a lot about food and about not eating food. You're going to have a lot of opinions about that and a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions and a lot of how-to and why-to. I'm going to try to cover as much as I can in this message, but if you have questions as I'm going along, uh, take this number down, 223-2013. We'll leave it up on the screen for a while. Just leave it up until we get to the first scripture. Just leave that number up on the screen. Uh, And if you want, uh, if you have questions, text them to that and I will try to address them as best I can or I'll just tell you I don't know at the end and we'll do what we can uh, to address any questions that you might have. Let's talk about food right before lunch. Uh, I am a very enthusiastic eater. Uh, my wife would tell you that I'm a very fun person to cook for because I get very effusive with my praise about the food. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is so good. And like, you know, right, that I will, I will really go overboard to say how much the Great, how great the food is. I have taken over the, 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 the duty in our, in our house of being primarily the cook for us. So I, I, for the last couple of years, I've done most of the cooking. Uh, not because I love to cook. I like it okay, uh, but I love, the, uh, I love doing things with my hands, for one, but I also love the, 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 the enthusiasm I get when people when, enjoy what I've made, and when we make some, you know, I make something we all eat together, there's, it's very satisfying to, okay, we're all eating this together, and this is really good. So I, I really... Um, get get into to food and get excited about it. So my question is, do you love food and how excited do you get about it? I think in this culture, uh, we get very excited about it and most people claim to love food. We, we, um, and we live in an incredible time for that. We, we live near great restaurants. Richmond has a ton of great food Everywhere you want to go, any night of the week, like there's, there's just great food out there to, to be had. In addition to that, there's a lot of good, fresh, whole food that you can get uh, very close by. There are, there are grocery stores and all, all different kinds of grocery stores, and there's just food readily available at all times. And in addition to that, and this is going to sound weird, but if you think about it in the history of the world, this is a big deal. We have refrigeration. And refrigeration means you can get food and then not have to worry about getting food for a few days if you don't want to, right? Like if, if you didn't have refrigeration, whatever you're going to eat today, you'd have to go get today. You would leave church and you'd go, I don't know, hunt and kill in Bird Park and have geese or something. I don't know. You would, you would figure something out because that's the options available. Without refrigeration, it's what you got for today, basically, and you're going to go do that work every day, right? You, you would have done that. But now we have refrigeration. Even better than that, we have deep freeze. Like people, for some reason in their basement, uh, they have a deep freezer in the garage or something like that, and you can eat food out of that deep freezer that you got like four months ago. Like it's crazy. In the history of the world, you can do this. Go four months, you, you can get something to be like, I'm going to eat, I'm going to be hungry for that in like four months, and I'm going to eat it then. Like, that's amazing that we can do that. We are so into food, and we have so many great options. Um, it, it, it's weird to me how much we obsess about food. Like, if you're going to go on vacation uh, and say, oh, I'm going to go on vacation this year, I've been working a lot, I want to take a week off, 
The, one of the first things you'll think about is what kind of food do they have where I'm going? And you'll plan your vacation around the food. You'll be like, oh, I want to go to Mexico because I love Mexican food, and I'm going to eat that, that food there. And, and you'll, you'll plan that, and you'll plan your day out on your vacation around what food you're going to be eating. Like, food is a central thing for, for kind of all that, we, all that we do. It's so weird, and we are so obsessed with food, that we have a TV uh, channel dedicated to food called The Food Network. They got that name first. It was easy uh, fine, it's called the Food Network. Don't you think it's weird that there's a Food Network? It's weird, right? And here's why it's weird. What are the best things about food? How it tastes and what it smells like. What do you not get on the Food Network? Smell. Right? Smell. Well, we don't have smell of vision yet for, for food, but like you don't get the taste of it. You don't get what it smells like. All you get on the Food Network is what it looks like and what other people look like they're doing when they, like, you get to see how much they enjoy it. And isn't that weird? We have a 24 hours a day network dedicated to that. And you can, and we love it so much, you can, like, sit on your sofa and eat Cheetos and look at what they're having and be like, man, that looks really good. I'd love to have that. That would be so great. That's so odd in the history of the world. This is where we're at with, with food. So here's my questions. Two questions, really. Is it possible that we can be too into food? Like, we're a little overboard about food. And secondly, how would you know if you were too overboard with it? Like, how would you know if you personally have gone too far in your love of food? Well, one way I suppose you could know is if you just gained a lot of weight, right? I, I, talked, to my, uh, I talked to a primary care physician uh, about two years ago, and he told me that... Um, the average adult American gains two pounds a year. So when you are, and uh, when you're 45, you are 40 pounds heavier than when you were 25, right? And I was approaching 45 at the time and thinking like, huh, okay. And right now you're probably doing the math, aren't you? You're like, wait a sec, because I did too. I was like, okay, so two pounds a year, that would be 40, okay, right? Um, and and most, mostly we gain that weight from Thanksgiving to New Year's every year. We eat a lot in that period. And then, we do, and then January comes, and then we half stick to some diet, and then it doesn't really work, and then we just kind of carry that extra two pounds. And, I, and I, so I saw, that, I saw that pattern in my own life. I was like, this is, this is not good. Um, so I guess that would be one indicator, like maybe I love food a little too much, like I'm going a little overboard here. So you could go to your doctor, and you could find out, uh, am I eating too much? Do I love food a little too much? And there would be, there would be weight that would be associated with that. There might be uh, some very negative health outcomes that we're seeing in society. You might see some different things that, are, that can be traced back to the kinds of food we eat and how much we eat. And so maybe your cholesterol level's high, whatever it is. But that's not a perfect indicator of do you love food too much because every body is different and every person's different and people have very complicated relationships with food. And there's like psychological things and there's things that go back to childhood trauma and there's all different types of bodies and there's all sorts of things going on there. So it's not a perfect indicator of, you know, do you love food too much? Um, and, and it's also hard to tell in our culture, if we love food too much, because uh, kind of the level of, of eating out there, everybody's kind of doing it. Like, you've been given these messages ever since you were a child about how to eat. How many of you, your mom told you you have to clean your plate? Like, you got to finish all that was put in front of you. 
And there was some reason about starving children in some other part of the world you were given or something like that. But at the end of the day, how much you wanted did not matter. The point was how much was put in front of you. And the rule was you've got to finish that. You were taught that at a young age. Maybe that, I'm just going to throw this out there, maybe that's not the most helpful message to give to people in, in, in our culture. Maybe that's not the best thing, but we were told that. Um, how many of you have been told breakfast is the most important meal of the day? Where did that come from? Someone decided that, but is it actually the case? Uh, a lot of us are told that. A lot of us are told you should eat three meals a day. Some people uh, get on these exercise plans and they go, you should eat six meals a day. And so we have breakfast and we have lunch and we have dinner. And then in the middle of bre- in the morning, you get hungry at work. So you have a mid-morning snack and they got something in the conference room and you have that. And then that lull after lunch, you have that mid-afternoon snack and you get home and you have dinner. And then late night, you're watching a show and you want to get some ice cream. And suddenly you were eating or snacking basically from the time you get up till the time you go to bed. And, and if that's the pattern that we're all in, well, I mean, it's normal out there. This is what people do. You wouldn't know different. I wouldn't know different, would we? Because this is just, this is just kind of how it is. And, and so I want to, I bring all this up because I want to point us to a, a spiritual discipline of the opposite of that, of, of not eating. And it's called fasting is the name of it. And this is a spiritual discipline that Jesus himself practiced And his followers and disciples have practiced for millennia. People have fasted uh, for thousands of years. Um, Now, now, uh, you you would think they're fasting because they can't get food and they don't have refrigeration. So that, of course, that's a factor, right? Oh, well, guess we're just not going to eat today because we didn't get any food. Okay, fine, that's a thing. But as soon as people were able to plant roots somewhere and and agriculture and kind of get that growing and, 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 and take care of animals and all that kind of thing, People were able to get a food source, and, and then they would intentionally not eat for periods of the day uh, for spiritual, spiritual purposes. Uh, fasting is quite simply not eating. So first thing I want to tell you is congratulations, you guys fast every day. You're already doing this, right? Maybe I can just stop right here. Because when you sleep, you're not eating, I think. That's right, like pretty sure that unless you go for that midnight snack I, I went on a I went on a cruise one time and they had a midnight buffet and I just couldn't figure out who needs that I just I didn't need it I was like oh are you kidding me like look at all this food at midnight like I don't want this in my life I'm gonna hate the rest of my life and I'm gonna lower my expectations of my life if I eat this like I don't know maybe you went on one and you were like that was the most amazing thing they had a midnight buffet I don't know I had a different reaction to it so you fast every day, and then you eat when you wake up. We call that meal breaking your fast or breakfast, right? Uh, we, we already do that, where you refuel after a hard night of sleeping. And, and so, uh, first of all, I just want to say, congratulations, you're already a pro at fasting. You were doing this literally every, every day. Um, but I actually think there's more to it. The, the spiritual practice of fasting um, it's been going on for thousands of years, and, and it's happened across all sorts of religions and worldviews around the world. The Jews fast, Christians have fasted, um, typically Christians have fasted like Wednesday and Friday and during seasons of the year or throughout the year. Um, the Muslims fast, you've probably heard of Ramadan, it's a fast during the, the, the daylight hours, so they might eat at early 3 a.m. and they might eat like 8 p.m., but they're not, fa- they're not eating during the day, so, and that goes on for um, a month, and and, and Buddhists fast. I mean, there's just uh, fastings, all sorts of worldviews all over the world. And, and all of them have a prescription for you of how you should fast and why you should fast. And so today I, I want to talk to Christians about how you should fast and why you should fast. Now, 
I realize that not everybody in this room is a Christian. I'm always aware of that when, when, we, when we gather here together. So let me, let me just throw this out, out there. If you're not a Christian, you should totally try this also with us. Um, you should totally try this and see what happens. Like dive in, give it a go, and see if it changes things. A, 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 different, a different approach to your daily and weekly routine and, and maybe try this with us for a month and let's, and let's see what happens. Maybe something unexpected will come out of this for you and, and you'll be really surprised. Um, so uh, let me give you the biblical roots um, of fasting, which, was, which is happening all over the ancient world and happens even today. Um, when people intentionally abstain from food, often with the purpose of trying to accomplish something else spiritual or something else going on in their lives that they really want to focus on. So while focusing on that thing, they abstain uh, abstain from food. You see this with Moses. Moses wrote the Ten Commandments. You may have heard of the Ten Commandments. And and that's a significant event in the history of the world. He's traveling in, in, in the desert with the Israelites wandering from Egypt over to the Promised Land, kind of through the Arabian Desert. And while he's out there, he, um, he fasts to get ready to, to, to write out these Ten Commandments to give to the people. It's actually recorded in Exodus chapter 34, verse 28. It says this, So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now, if you're a legalist like me, you're like, but did he have chocolate? It doesn't say. It, no, it's telling you he, he, he's not eating and, and drinking uh, during this period. So he's got this long period of abstaining from food for a purpose. He is working, praying, talking to God, and writing out the Ten Commandments, which have endured for a few thousand years of, like, of, of, of some sort of influence over society, and entire legal systems are effectively built on them. So it was a pretty significant thing that he did, and when he entered into that significant thing, he fasted for 40 days. Now, your thought, maybe my thought is, man, 40 days of not eating, I would be super hungry. In fact, I think I would die. You will not die if you fast for 40 days. Uh, there have been people who have fasted for much, much longer than that. The human body, um, it, it, when you have fat on your body, that is stored energy, and your body can start pulling that energy from your fat. It burns the fat and uses it as energy for you to accomplish what you need to accomplish. So you actually um, can be energized and fueled by food, and you can also be energized and fueled by food you ate uh, you know, months ago that is now in your deep freezer known as fat on your body, you, you can do that. Um, that's an incredible way that the human body, that God designed the body to work. So Moses fasts for this spiritual purpose uh, and, and to, to do what God has for him in that, in that moment. He's focused on the task at hand. Um, and, and sometimes when you fast and, and you're really focused, it, it, you... you um, or, or sometimes when you're really focused on a task, you will fast naturally. Like if you've ever skipped lunch at work because you were so busy at work and you just work, 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 and then you, w- you realize around 3 o'clock, man, I didn't even eat lunch. You've done that before, right? That's a, that's a version of fasting where you're really focused on a thing and you, and you end up not eating. That's sort of like accidental. Um, but but uh, we fast and we have a, a, a big purpose. Uh, Queen Esther in the Old Testament, she had a purpose. Her... Uh, uh, the leaders of, of Persia were, were going to kill the Israelites, her people, and so she was married to the king, and so she went, she went before the king to ask him, like, please don't kill my people, and she was very aware that if she goes to the king and asks that, he could kill her, and so before she did that, she prepared by fasting. 
awesome verse, Esther chapter 4, verse 16, says this, that she's talking to her people around her. She says, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So uh, a significant thing she's going to do, and before she does that, she asks everybody to fast with her. Her, her closest people around her, she fasts, and then she, uh, will fast with her, and then she fasts for three days, three nights, and then she says, I'll go to the king, and then, and I love this, why Esther's so, so awesome, uh, she says, if I die, I die. Like, the courage there. She's like, this is a big deal, and before I go, I'm going to get ready by fasting during this, this period. You see this connection between praying and fasting. I'm asking God for something, and I'm going to intentionally not eat uh, while, while I'm doing, doing this. There is a long tradition of fasting and asking God for something, of, of praying to Him. And I don't think it's like we fast and then we pray, and then God goes, Man, she's really hungry down there. I, I mean, I guess I'll answer her prayer. I mean, gosh, would you just stop? Would you, like, ha, you know, have, have a cliff bar or something? Uh, okay, I'll answer your prayer. Like, I don't think it works that way. Um, I don't think it's like a hunger strike with God. Um, but I do think, and, and it almost doesn't logically make sense, right? But I do think there is this connection that fasting, um, we, we get very serious about our prayers, and we make these requests to God. Um, and God honors that, and, and it helps us to focus. It, in fact, a, a few times in the Old Testament, God calls his people to fast. Listen to Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. God is speaking through Joel to the people, and he's saying, hey, I want to be in a relationship with you. Come back to me. You have wandered away, and you've done all of these other things. Come back and be in a relationship with me. And he says, rend your hearts, not your garments. Rending your garments is literally like ripping your clothes, like, oh, I can't believe this. Oh, and they would like rip clothing, right? And he says, stop doing that. Do something instead in, in, in your heart. And he calls them to fast and weep and mourn. I don't know about you, but I can't weep on command. I'm not an actor, not good at that. I can't weep on command. I can't necessarily mourn on command. So him, him saying, fast, weep, and mourn, it's like, I don't know if I can do that. I can fast on command. I can like, okay, I won't eat. I can make that choice. Now it's not going to be easy. It's gonna be, there's going to be a challenge to it, but I can do that. And he's calling us to that and saying, get your heart right before me, and part of the way that you're going to do that is through, um, through, through fasting. Uh, it's a command from God to, to get serious about this, serious about your prayer, serious about your relationship with God. So I think there's a couple benefits of fasting um, that I want to I walk through, and then I want to answer a couple common questions you might have about it, and then, and then we'll be done. And then if you have questions, we can, we can talk about that as well. Number one, Fasting helps us, as we just looked at, fasting helps us to get serious about our prayers. I want to put a challenge out there to you, and I'll explain it a little bit here. Um, for the next 30 days as a church, I want us to have a, a period leading up to Easter during this Lent season that people are celebrating all over the world. I want us to have a period of praying and fasting. We have a, 
uh, prayer and, and, and reading and fasting devotional that we have put together that, that starts March 15th, so it starts two days from now, and runs for a month till April 15th. It takes us right into Holy Week, leading right up to Good Friday and Easter. Um, uh, if you got a copy of that, we gave them out last week. You can grab a copy on the way out if you want to get one today as, as you leave we'll have that available for you. And that's going to walk you through daily readings and prayers, and it's going to have different, uh, some different challenges and different things you can do around fasting. And it'll, it might say, like, fast from sugar today. Like, so it'll just be a very uh, specific kind of fasting that you would do and certain different things that you can do. But also, as a church, for us to fast every Wednesday uh, as a community in, in some form. I want to put that challenge out there. I'll explain a little more about that in a minute. Um, this is a way that I think as a church we will get serious in our prayer and our study and our, and our fasting and, and our relationship with God over the next 30 days. Now, can I get serious with God on a full stomach? Of course you can. But there's just something that happens when we fast. There's a spiritual power to it. I don't know if you remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago in the disinformation campaign series, but there was a, 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 a before Jesus starts his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he goes off by himself for 40 days into the wilderness like Moses has, had done. And Jesus goes off by himself, and at the end of the 40 days, Satan comes to him to tempt him, and Satan starts coming after him, and he says, why don't you turn this stone into bread? You know, he's going after the food thing. And I think Satan believed that in that moment, in those 40 days, that Jesus was weak. That he was weak because that's how we would look at 40 days of not eating, right? I haven't eaten for 40 days. Man, I have no energy. I'm so hungry. Jesus might have even been hangry in that moment, right? Like, oh man, maybe a little nauseous. Like, he's so over it. Like, this has just been really hard. He's, he's, at, you know, he's, he's at the end of his rope, and that's when Satan attacks him. But what Satan found out, and what we could learn is, actually, there was spiritual power in that moment. Satan goes after Jesus thinking this is when he's at his weakest, when in fact, he may have been at his strongest in that, in that moment. He, he, um, he, he had spiritual strength that came from fasting. That's hard for us to uh, imagine because we don't quite get the body and spirit connection. Like if I said, if you came to me and said, I, I want to grow in my relationship with God and I want to love God more and I want to get closer to him, Almost every answer I would give you and almost every answer you're used to hearing when you feel that way has to do with your brain. Like if you said, Chris, I want to know God more, I'd be like, read this book. Chris, I want to know God more, listen to this podcast. Chris, I want to know God more, uh, say these things, try this prayer, read this scripture. Like so much of that because we are 21st century Western Enlightenment Americans, so much of our way of thinking about God is about thinking about God. It's about the brain. It's about the prefrontal cortex. I relate to God through my brain almost primarily. That's kind of how we think about it. Now, we may add in my heart, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we might go like... Uh, my mind I get, I love God with my heart, I'm very passionate, I might, I might get emotionally worked up, I might cry, I might really get into something, I might really love God that way. But the idea that we would love God with our strength, I think, 
brings a body connection to it. We can love God with our bodies. We can relate to God with our body. We kind of know that already. When you worship God, you might raise a hand. Why? Because you're doing something with your body to honor God. When you worship God, you sing. That is a very physical thing in your body. We raise a hand. You sing. You might bow. You might get on your knees to pray. You might, um, you might you know, sort of bow your head in, in, to honor God. There are things we do with our body as we worship God. So is it such a stretch to believe that we could actually worship God with our stomachs? That's weird, right? We're so used to everything goes through the brain. But if you want to know God more, maybe uh, having an empty stomach can connect us there. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe we are more than just a brain walking around in some sort of meat skeleton. Maybe we are actually embodied souls and there's more going on there in the, in the, in the soul and in the body. And so fasting can get us serious uh, to pray. And when we're hungry, that can be a cue. Um, as we're fasting, I feel hungry and I go, okay, this is my reminder that I need to pray and talk to God. Um, fasting essentially is giving up something that we love, food, we have whole TV shows about it, right? Whole networks about it. Give up something we love for something we love more. We love God. We claim to love God. What if we connected those things? What if we said, I'm going to give this up and, and, and so I can pursue this? So number one, fasting helps us get serious about God. Number two, fasting helps us get free from gluttony. Now, we don't talk about gluttony a lot as a, as a culture, um, hardly in the church. Uh, in the ancient world, in around the fourth century, there was a monk who developed um, this, uh, this idea of seven deadly sins. You've probably heard of those, or you've seen the movie Seven, close enough. Um, there are seven deadly sins. You've probably heard of those, lust, pride, greed, gluttony, those sorts of things, sloth, envy. Um, and uh, those are, you know, most of those are, uh, make sense to us, but in the ancient world, those are not like in the Bible written in those seven like that, right? Um, it's just like, hey, what are the big things people struggle with? And in the ancient world, they looked around and they go, everybody struggles with pride, everybody struggles with lust, greed, envy, all these things, gluttony, whatever. We struggle with these things. And so they kind of identified those as being like real killers of our soul. And these are a problem and everyone's dealing with them. And I think that's great. But what they also developed is like the, the spiritual antidote to those things. And so fasting can be uh, the spiritual antidote to gluttony. Do I eat too much? I don't know, but I know I don't eat all that I can because I intentionally don't eat. It's very similar to where greed and giving money away flows together. We've talked about this with financial stuff before. Am I greedy? I don't know. I don't have a lot of people come up to me and say, Chris, I'm really greedy. Can you help me? I, I don't hear that a lot. And, I, and, and because it's one of those things that's very hard to know because you can always point to someone else who's got more money than you that's doing more or whatever. They're greedy, I'm not, that kind of thing. But one way I know that I'm not greedy is I give money away. So when you and I intentionally, sacrificially, and generously give money away, we are saying, I am not going to spend everything I get. I am intentionally giving this to God. I'm doing something else with this money. And as such, that is an antidote to greed. It helps fight away the, the greed that can overwhelm us. And, there, and, and, and in a similar way, fasting can be the, an antidote to gluttony. Do I eat too much? I don't know, but I know I don't eat everything that I possibly could and that I strategically and intentionally and regularly stop eating and, and, and put food away. Um, and it can be a, a powerful thing. I had a, uh, a pastor, uh, I was talking to a, a group of pastors. Um, we were talking about fasting this was a couple months ago, talking about our churches maybe all doing this together. And there are other churches doing this 30-day thing that we're about to do. Um, 
And uh, one of them was saying, man, um, we were kind of on this, we are on a Zoom call because that's what people do these days. We were on the Zoom call. One of them said, uh, man, I, I struggle with fasting because uh, usually what happens is when I fast, I just work through lunch and I work through breakfast. And, and so I just end up working a lot and I already have a tendency to be a workaholic and it just gets worse when I fast. I don't know what to do about that. And I said, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think fasting is the cure for workaholic. Like, I don't think that's what it's for. Sabbath would be a conversation to have about workaholic, which we as a church will have next week. Sabbath would be a conversation. But uh, I think fasting isn't for that. Um, I think fasting has a lot more to do with um, helping you push through a spiritual plateau or when we feel apathetic or sort of spiritually listless. Um, maybe when we're in that, uh, fasting can be helpful. So it can free us from gluttony, can also sort of push us forward from some plateaus. And number three, um, fasting pulls you out of your routine so you can focus on better things. So everybody here has a morning routine um, of, you know, you get up and there are just the things that you do, right? You brush your teeth and you shower and and then you may, um, you probably do the wordle and um, like you've got... You've got the things that you do, and then you'll make breakfast, and you have breakfast, and you'll get out the door and go to work and all that. Like, there's a routine, a flow to your day, that, the way it always starts. Um, when you fast, you now take pieces of that out. You're not, you're not packing a lunch. You're not preparing your breakfast. Suddenly, you have time. Remember the time you used to spend making breakfast? You don't, now you have that time free. Um, remember the time you used to eat breakfast or lunch or whatever? Uh, now you have that time. And you can get to some of the things that you weren't getting to before. So a lot of people say, Chris, I, you know, I'd pray more, I'd read the scripture if I could, but I don't have a lot of time. It's like, well, I have a solution for you. Just cut out the meals, and then you're going to have some time. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to say it that way, but there, there really is an, an advantage there. You can focus on some other things when you take um, eating off the table. You'll suddenly have some margin in your life. Now look, food is great. I'm not anti-food. Um, I, I, I want you to know that. It is fuel for the body. Um, and and I, as I told you, I can get very excited about it. And I think God made it good. Um, it, it, it is a blessing. He could have made our bodies to not function on it. He could have made food very boring. There could be one spice in the whole world, and that's all we get. But there's such a variety out there of, of ways food can be prepared. I know God... Um, is a creative God, and he's given us lots to work with and make things really interesting. It is a very good thing. It's just not meant to be the ultimate thing, and it's not meant to be everything for us. And when we fast, we say no to something that is good so we can say yes to something that is even better. We give up something that we love for something that we love more. That is the very definition of sacrifice. Uh, One author I read this week said this, fasting isn't a hunger strike. Fasting isn't a hunger strike to force God to give you what you demand, but a transfer of appetite from egocentric need to Jesus-centered joy. Now, will your first experience of fasting be Jesus-centered joy? Probably not. It'll probably be something more close to hangry. Um, and, I, and I understand that. But I also want to say um, hangry is not a real thing. So just be aware of that. Like, we all can um, justify 
behavior and attitudes with certain things and find all sorts of reasons. Well, I haven't eaten and that's why I'm super... I, 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 I question that a little bit about the things that we put out there. Um, so um, let, let me give you this challenge. 30 days. 30 days. We will have this devotional. It's available for you today if you, or if you grabbed it last week. Uh, from March 15th to April 15th, every Wednesday we will fast as a church. Now, Christians have done this for millennia and so we're going to join in that. And I want you to, over the next 30 days, find something that you want to pray about and, and ask God for a breakthrough in that area. It could be relationship, it could be relationship, it could be school, it could be work, it could be your, your uh, family members, um, just different things. What do you want to like, get in God's ear about for the next 30 days and just say, God, can you, can you give me a breakthrough in this area? God, I, I, I'm, I'm serious and I'm concerned about this area. And, 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 and it could be more than one thing, but, but at least get one and, and pray through that over the next 30 days. And every Wednesday as a church, we will fast together as, as we do that starting, uh, starting this, this Wednesday. Um, at, we're going to ask God to show up in a very powerful way. So here's, here's how it would work on Wednesday starting this week. Um, let me give you a couple ways to do it. Uh, the, the, the most basic way is this. Don't eat any food on Wednesday. So, very practically, you will eat on Tuesday night, and then you'll eat again on Thursday morning, and in between, you won't eat. That's about 36 hours of not eating. That is a way to do it, okay? I'm not saying it's the only way. That is the simplest, cleanest, not the easiest, but that is, that is way. Don't eat any food during, during that, that period. Or, another way to do it, Maybe you want to work into this, work up to this. Maybe at the end of four weeks, that's what you're doing. But to start this week, you go, I'm going to skip a meal. Usually breakfast is the easiest one to skip. I know you wake up hungry and stuff like that, but your body is incredible and makes certain chemicals that when you wake up, there's certain chemicals that kind of flood your body that sort of go like, it's time to be awake and active and have energy and do the things. Um, it's called coffee, but there's other... There's other <laughs> no, I mean, the body actually has its own. Coffee helps too. Uh, so, so um, you could skip breakfast, or you could do two meals, skip breakfast and lunch, or you could you know, vary that. You could just have breakfast and then don't eat for the rest of the day. Like, figure out how, how you want to do it, um, and, and every Wednesday we can do that together. Now, you're going to say, I have a work meeting on Wednesday, and we, and we have lunch there, and so I have to do that. Okay, do it on Thursday then. Like, if, if, if Wednesday absolutely can't work for you, or you could be that weird guy who doesn't eat at the lunch meeting. I did that this past week at a lunch meeting with like 20 people. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to have water. And, and no one like was like, why aren't you? It was, it was fine. Um, so that, that, that's how it would work if we do that every Wednesday for the next four weeks. There are common questions people ask about this. So let me, let me answer a couple of them and then uh, we'll wrap up. And if you have further questions, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get to yours as well. Number one, can I have drinks during a fast? Uh, sure. Um, let's talk about what that looks like. If you want the full physiological benefits, and I don't even have time to go into all of that, but there are some really good things that happen in the body uh, when we stop eating. Um, if you want the full physiological benefits, you are best having zero calories and zero anything that tastes sweet. So those like sparkling waters that have flavor, nah. Uh, so this is, okay, this is like hard mode, okay? No drinks during a fast would, would, drinks during a fast would look like water, black coffee, or tea. But anything that tastes sweet, any sparkling water with flavor, even if it's zero calorie, propel something with electrolyte, nope, just water, black coffee, or tea. Okay, now 
That's going to sound like not a lot of fun. I'm, I love coffee. I prefer a little cream in coffee than, than, than black, but I will drink it black. Um, but it took me a while to get there. But if you don't want to do that, if you're like, I got to have like a glass of milk or something or whatever, fine. Like, we're not trying to like, uh, do what, you do what you got to do, all right? That, that's fine. We're not, we're not trying to like be super legalistic. I'm just saying the maximum health benefits that come from it are, are when you have zero calories. Secondly, what if I get really hungry? You will. <laughs> I promise. This isn't, this, and, and what will you do about that? Because because I just want to address it. I, I don't want to mock it because it's, it's legit, right? Your body produces a hormone. It's called ghrelin. And ghrelin uh, is a hormone that kind of floods the system and it goes, you should eat. You're hungry right now. Aren't you hungry? You know, the rumbling you get in your stomach, all that kind of thing. That comes from ghrelin. They have tracked this. There's been lots of studies on this. Ghrelin comes in waves. So it, it'll, 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 it'll come upon you. You'll feel very hungry. And if you ignore it, it eventually goes away. And then you're like, actually, I'm not hungry. I don't really care. And then a couple hours later, it's going to come back. And then you ignore it. And then a couple hours later, it'll come. And, it'll, and, and people who have fasted for multiple days will tell you that the ghrelin is the worst on day one. And then day two and three, it just starts to die down because your body's like, you really should eat. And then you're like, nah, I'm good. And then eventually your body's like, fine, you're not going to eat. I'm not going to keep bugging you about it if you're not going to do it. You know? like, so it does, it does kind of work a little bit like that. So yes, you will feel hungry. But you've probably done that at work where you skipped lunch. You were like so busy and you were hungry at lunch, but you were really busy. And then what happened? At like 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you were hungry again. Even, and that's true whether you had lunch or whether you skipped it, right? Like that's just the way the cycle goes. You will be a bit hungry. You could say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intentionally use the hunger as a cue to pray, to read, to, to, to ask God about something, rather than um, I'm going to eat. Uh, I, I try to drink a lot of water when I feel hungry, and sometimes I will even have salt. And I mean like uh, pour salt into my hand, throw it back, and then just chase it with water. Uh, some people put salt in coffee. I've tried that too. It's a little weird, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, yes, um, part of... Part of fasting is finding out that you will be fine even without food and that the Lord sustains you and that you can be okay. And then last question, um, will I have any, any energy when I do this? Um, I'm worried about uh, headaches and uh, drowsiness. Um, will you have energy? I would give you a big probably on that. Uh, I, I think so. Um, it, it, it varies. Results may vary on that. Um, what I have found, um, I go to the gym and exercise. I have found that my exercising is better when I'm fasting than when I have eaten a meal prior to going to the gym. Um, your body eventually starts burning energy on your, of your body, and, it's, and it, I, I sound like a hippie, it's very clean energy. Uh, it, I, so I, workouts for me have been better in that situation. Your results may vary. Um, maybe you don't want to work out, and maybe